There we go. Now we're not muted anymore. Unmuted. Welcome back to the Family Table Podcast. Your host, as always, Brandon Laurie. Got my two favorite brothers, and my only brothers, John and the Foxy Grandpa Hat. What's going on? And we got Chris with Kermit the Frog. Yeah. What uh? We love, I, what is that? That's the Muppets? Yeah. The Muppets? Yeah, to ask that as a well, question. Well, No, for some reason I was going to say Sesame Street. Oh, my Ses- gosh. Sesame Street. But I don't know why. They're all puppets. I don't puppets. know how we're related. I don't hey, know. listen. Oh, Dino, you're the man. What just happened? Oh, thanks, man. 25 bits. Oh, we appreciate that. 25 bits hey, richer. Well, you know what, Dino? From us to you, happy Father's Day weekend, my man. Mm-hmm. And happy Father's Day to all the fathers that are out there that may be listening, may not be listening. For everybody totally. who's, whose father uh, you care about, you know, we, we want to send a little happy Father's Day to you guys. We want to thank all the fathers out there for playing catch, you know, throwing a little football, throwing a little baseball. Teaching um, their kids teaching the us ropes. For, teaching us how to fish. You so know? everybody disregard the one thing that says song request because <laughs> – Oh, that's right. I forgot to, that you was can the, request a song, but yeah. I mean, that was the one thing that yeah. I forgot to turn. I off. might break out the acoustic guitar if yeah. someone wants to. You request never know. A song. But as Anything's always, possible. we hope you're having a great start to the weekend. And like we said, it's a special weekend, Father's Day weekend. Yeah, all the fathers out there, just dads. Dem- like just dad weekend. This is the weekend of. Dads. This is the weekend of toolboxes and Home Depot gift cards and Home Depot gift cards and ties and. Lots of ties. Lots of ties. I I just cannot wait for all the dad jokes. Oh, it's dad, we're about to dad weekend this yeah. weekend. Oh, yeah. It's a big, big weekend. So happy Father's Day to all our dads. And especially our dad. I know he's been super supportive of us with our band because, of course, if anybody who's just joining, we are Triple Addiction Band First, a band made up of triplet brothers who play some nice country rock music. And um, our dad has been super supportive of us throughout the years, ever since we started in sixth grade. He's been lugging all of our equipment uh, to the shows, been lugging us to the shows. He's been to almost every show. I think he's only missed, like, maybe four yeah, in, maybe. In, in the whole 12 years and that we've been playing. And some of them are out of state. So exactly. Like. <laughs> um, you know, the basement that we're in right now is in his house, and he gives us the um, he privilege. He lets record a whole album yeah. in his basement, yeah. annoying yeah. him all last summer. Exactly. Like, this summer we took off. Yeah. So this weekend is extra special for our papa. Yep. Our papa. Yep. So. Um. We hope you guys are doing well, though. Hopefully you're hanging in there. Hopefully you're having... Well, first off, we usually have dinner on this podcast. It's not that we can't afford anything else other <laughs> than just a dollar bag of popcorn. We, it was, it was uh, what was it, the week before? Fa- handmade pizzas, then it was McDonald's, now it's popcorn. You know, it's Yeah, what did we have last week, though? It was Chris Mc- made chicken. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about yeah. that. Um, but no, we're, we're going to have a big meal after this, so we figured that... Um, we're going to be saving up our appetites. And, One of uh, our closest friends, Bobby, is, is making gra- us a gourmet cuisine. What is he making? I don't know. It's a surprise. It's a surprise. So we figured that, you know, with COVID being over, we're just going to share one bowl of popcorn, just dip we have, in our hands. We have a bunch of stories I, that we can talk licking, about. I've been licking my fingers, too, and putting them in the bowl. This is this is how we celebrate coronavirus being over. Right. We you just, just you do all eat, the things that they told eat you. Eat out of the same bowl. bowl so. Mind you that this is our friend that put way too much paprika on some tater tots, which gave John a stomach issue. Yeah. Now he is a gourmet chef. Yeah, it just shows you how far you can go, where you start. It's not about where you start, it's about as where you end. As long as you set your mind to something, you know that you can accomplish it because Bobby Eaton became a chef. Speaking of becoming 
something of greatness. John, you have an album for us that is Oh, yeah, gonna, boy, gonna oh, rock. boy, do I have an album. Whoops, that's the wrong camera. Boy, oh, boy, do I have a John Jam for you guys this week. What do you got? Mention so it. Drop the, it. The John Jam of the week is one of my all-time favorite albums ever to grace this great nation and your eardrums and my eardrums yeah and it's old so usually i'm picking like a, a newer album but this week i want to go classic on this i picked whoops where to go where is it there it is leonard skinnard pronounced leonard skinnard their first album ever you want the first one I it's actually pronounced Leonard Skeenard. Leonard Skeenard. And so I've had the, uh, you know, I mean, sure, you want to say that Skinnard isn't the same Skinnard from this album as they are today, fine. But I've seen Skinnard um, twice in my life, the new version of Leonard Skinnard, and still they killed it. So whatever, you want to say it's a glorified cover band nowadays, fine. They were still incredible. Yeah, exactly. Um, and th the lead singer today is the old singer. Now, everybody knows that Leonard Skinner, most of them died in a plane crash, a very tragic plane crash um, years ago. They had only put out five albums, and s suddenly the whole band was kind of cut short. Um, so this album, though, was the start of their career, but also... What a start to their career. Now, if you don't know Skinnerd, they're from Florida, Jacksonville, and they would go to a bar called Funchinos. Like in and it was out of state in Georgia. Wow, they so went, they, that's they like would a far travel distance. they would travel from wow. Jacksonville to Funchinos in I guess it was Georgia. I think it was Georgia. Don't don't quote me on it. Georgia. But nineteen seventy three they would go out, and they would play six shows in a week. Six wow. shows. And then they'd go home for one like One day week. to travel, pretty the, much. Yeah, and then they'd yeah. go home for a week. One day and then to they'd, practice. They'd rewrite <laughs> yeah. a whole set list. A whole set list. They'd rewrite it. And new songs, new covers, new whatever. This bar was the epitome of a biker bar that these guys were playing in. They said that they weren't fighting people. Ronnie Van Zant, the original lead singer of Skinner, said, We're not fighting men. But you really had to fight to get out of that place. He said yeah. there would be gunfights at least once a week. Wow. At least somebody would get shot. It was just <laughs> the worst place. But, but they is, is it a place where it's like you get shot and everyone's like, ah, oh, you know, somebody got shot this week. Oh, it's okay. You know, like I, I don't think so. Yeah, I think it was a big deal. Not, not an Aaron Burr, Alexander Hamilton type thing. It was definitely not no. the Aaron Burr, Alexander Hamilton yeah. thing. But anyway, for this album to come out, they got in touch with a producer who had worked with Bob Dylan, and he was just in the area working. I think he was cutting a record or something in the area where they were playing at Funchino's, and they were like, the guy went up to them and said, hey, you guys are really good because he heard their first songs that they wrote, which were like, give me three steps, and they heard mm -hmm. um, this guy had heard I Ain't the One, and... He was like, these guys are really good. So he jammed with them on stage, and then the next day he said, hey, do you want a record deal? Wow. Just like that. Picked them up. And they were playing six nights a week at this place, So, and, and they were doing that for years until they finally got a record deal. So it shows the persistence in a band. Um, 
What what song you want to play? Well, yeah, let's play I Ain't the One. Right. Just the drum beat in the beginning the is intro? one of the coolest things, especially when that riff kicks in. All oh. right, let's oh. hear it. So with this album, um, oh, and also what an by intro the way, song—that's like almost like you're you're getting ready to drive down the road on a long a long road trip. Right. It just sets it up perfectly for it, which this, is crazy. This album, they they had the worst equipment possible when they were playing. They had Japanese guitars. They had like oh. the worst <laughs> amps. They had nothing. You know, it, I actually statistically, at least for bass standards, if people didn't know this, you have your squire. Bass guitars, which are like the bass model, the ones that you just literally, they come in a box. And then you have Mexican, and then you have Japanese, and then you have American. Really? So Japanese basses, I, at least this is what I've heard. I don't know if it's true or not. I've never played a Japanese bass. And maybe they got better. Yeah. You, you know. They could have gotten better over Sorry, the years. I didn't mean to derail no, no, what you no, were no, saying. But, but they had like the worst equipment possible. And then they were like, they were given $9,000 for for the cutting a record deal and they spent it all on recording and equipment. They didn't spend it on anything else, no homes, no, nothing, just nice. equipment. So they did it the right way. Now, on top of that, let me read off just the first four songs that this album hits you with. I Ain't the One, Tuesday's Gone, Give Me Three Steps, Simple Man. Four songs right in a row that hit you and go, Oh my gosh! It's almost like They're, Boston's album. Yeah, exactly. It's it's exactly like Boston's album. Except Leonard Skinner had a longer career. Yes. Yeah. Now and more than one album. Not only that, but the album ends on Freebird. Now I know everybody gives Freebird some hate, and yeah, you know, oh Freebird. Yeah, right, we got it. We, the joke was over a long time ago, but Freebird, if you actually listen to it, one of the best solos of all time. Well, it's incredible that they have all of those songs. They're all hits. It's on their first record. They're, like, just getting started, and they're saying, this is Leonard Skinner. And yeah. you have a song like Freebird that sticks around for centuries. But the, and, and the and it's going to stick around. The, the crazy part is when you figure that albums, when they come out today, you figure the hits are maybe tracks two, three, maybe one, if you know you want to start the album like that. But their most popular song is the last one on the album. Like, all of those are hits. You know, I'm not saying Simple Man is not a hit, but it, it is. People cover it all the time. But Freebird is one of their most iconic, if not the most iconic song, when people think of Leonard Skinner. Next to Sweet Home. Yeah. And so, and, and that's not even on here. Right, you know? that's and, on the second album. Yeah, album. so it's... Imagine getting, striking lightning twice yeah. in the same spot uh, with the same band. Insane. But they're just good. They were good at the time. And even, all right, they're, they're newer stuff. If you want to give it hate, that's fine. But I like the new stuff. I think it's updated. I think it's fun. You got to look at Skinner as being two separate bands. The early 70s band 
and then the 90s to 2000s band. Both are Skinner, just separate. Well, also, is it's funny enough that you bring that up. I know it's not a part of our talk today, but I was uh, watching that music video that I showed you earlier of, with Danny Warsnop mm -hmm. in Asking Alexandria. And I, I was just going through the comments, and a lot of people are saying, if you want overproduced pop rock, this is the right route to go. And how many people are disappointed with the direction that they're heading in? Yeah. So but I was saying that if a band doesn't evolve, then how long of a career do they actually have? Yeah. So there's no longevity in that. So even with – and someone, the one Lone Ranger who threw out the best comment possible, he's like, if you want to listen to the old stuff and you want the old stuff, listen to the old stuff. Yeah. They have it all recorded. If you exactly. like them back in the day, why are you looking to essentially – Tell them what to write about. And I notice, I notice that artists can't win. No. That no. <laughs> if they put out the same stuff each record, yeah. then people go, oh, this is just the same, same stuff. Same thing over and over again. The whole time. And you're like, this is boring and dumb. They just rewrote the same songs. But if they go out of their comfort zone, then everybody freaks out and goes, this isn't the right band. And well, you're like, what? Because it's something unfamiliar. And we talked about that in one of the earlier mm -hmm. podcasts. But yep. just... Look at Breaking Benjamin, for example. Great band. I love their tunes and everything, but, man, it's everything sounds like Diary of Jane. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that that's the thing, you know. And, and I think the modern Leonard Skinner, when we saw them live, it really, I think it, it, had, it had more, like you would say, more of an edge. Did you catch it, Dino? Oh, he was, uh, oh, he wanted some popcorn. Um, but the modern Leonard Skinner has a little bit more of an edge to it. Yeah. So there's more of a grit to it, and it still has that southern rock vibe that Leonard Skinner is known for. There's just a little bit more grittiness behind it, which is totally okay. And I honestly think that if all the members of Leonard Skinner were still around, might have uh, not 100%, but they probably would have at least played a couple songs like that. You know. So I think that it's also it's a new singer. Yeah. 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 I think yeah. it's just a general progression that all bands have to go through, and. You know, there are certain bands that never changed at all. And yeah. now they're just, they, they, they fizzled out because they couldn't change. Yeah. They couldn't find anything new to present. So they fizzled out. Listen, ba bands are, are very lucky if they can transcend generation to generation. There's people who we knew in high school that would walk around with Leonard Skinner t-shirts. And I was one of them. Yeah. And but there were other people, too. And you walk around. It's like, oh, my God, like everybody else knows Leonard Skinner. And they're not just talking about Freebird. They're talking about I Ain't the One. They're talking about yeah. uh, Tuesday's Gone. And some of the songs that aren't really uh, household names besides Sweet Home Alabama and Freebird. And yeah. Tuesday's Gone, by the way, is one of my favorite songs of all oh. time. I think it's Happy top Gilmore, five. right? It, it's it, not it, even just Happy. Well, yeah, Happy yeah. Gilmore yeah. did make it really, you know. The, the theme song of that movie, but I I just love Tuesday's Gun. So, yeah. anyway, I hope you guys can check out Pronounce Leonard Skinner if you haven't heard it already. Um, you've probably heard at least five of the songs on there. Yeah. Um, the other ones in the middle, even, like, I've tried. Oh, and they're yeah. not as good as the, the five hits that are on the album. It's still my album of the week. I still give it the John seal of approval. 
that's that's like when you listen to the Boston self-title album. As soon as you get past, I think it's smoking. It's kind of like Ugh. no, that's that. Well, I'll, we'll, you know. we'll talk about that album at another time because yeah. there's a lot to that album that's very interesting. Nice. So go check out pronounced Leonard Skinner. Leonard Skinner. And, and if anybody else here is new while we're talking, Triple Addiction country rock band made up of triplet brothers. If you want to give us a follow, we totally appreciate. Oh, it. and hey, thank you to Jay Sable. Yeah, for um, giving us the hundred. Dino, you're the best father ever. Appreciate that. <laughs> and also, too, if you want to subscribe to our channel, we totally would appreciate that. You get a little brand doji. If anybody wants to put it in the chat uh, from, you know, the people that are watching, you'll get a little brand doji. You'll get for the second tier, Brandon and John, and then third tier, Chris, Brandon, John. So we would totally appreciate that, trying to get those numbers up. All right. You ready? It's not really. I, normally, we do feel good story of the week, then crazy. Both of these, they're one is good, but it's kind of can be categorized as crazy. So they're kind of two crazy stories. Mm -hmm. But we'll still play a little JB. I feel good. I knew that I would not. So good. So good. I got a year. All right. It sounded like a shriek. So. <laughs> Sorry. John, John has a video for this. I'll, I'll kind of preface it first. But for the last 16 years... The Boston Typewriter Orchestra has been playing all across New England. Typewriters. So they use typewriters with original songs based off the sounds that a typewriter makes. Nothing complicated about it. Just literally click clacking away and sliding that little thing, the little paper thing. Um, and actually, a few members have musical backgrounds, but a lot of them have only had the typewriter as their musical instrument of choice. That's it. So check out the video from the website called uh, A Great Big Story for more on these clicky fellows. All right. Which one is it? Not that one. Not that one either. Oh, I didn't set up a hot key. Oh, okay. My bad. Hold on. I got it. I got it. My name is Alex Holman, and I play tenor Smith Corona with the Boston Typewriter Orchestra. The Boston Typewriter Orchestra is an ensemble for typewriter and voice. Some of us have musical backgrounds, some of us don't. Several of our members play in bands currently. I haven't touched much of anything except for a typewriter since playing the trombone in high school. We play a wide variety of typewriters, from some small portable models all the way up to some relatively large desk models. Didn't know they had portable models. A lot of what we do in building up songs is really exploring what different sounds we can get out of the typewriter and how we can incorporate them into a song. For example, you have the, the key makes sort of a, a basic clack sound, um, but then you have the, the shift that moves a lot of the mechanics and makes somewhat of a bass sound. Then you also have the, the roller that gets a uh, gets sort of a mechanical ratchet sound to it. Um, and then all of them we can work with the, uh, the carriage return for like the you know, the standard swoopy sound to it. As our name suggests, the Boston Typewriter Orchestra is Boston-based, but we've actually played all over New England. Most of the typewriters are 50, 60, 70 years old. Usually in our hands, we see two to three years of, of lifespan. We beat on them pretty hard. Just going at it. one that looks like when we started out in 2004, we were uh, we were a bunch of guys getting together and kind of banging on typewriters. 
we get that we're kind of weird, it's a little bit of a wacky idea, but we've discovered that this makes some legitimate music and you know, it can be a real serious endeavor. We have true songs that come together and people seem to really enjoy them. And as long as we still are entertaining people, we're gonna stay out there typing. Did you guys see the audience? Yeah, there was a lot of people. No, I was going to say, if you said no, I was going to say, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> so, wow. So that's like crazy good story. They're not hurting anybody. No, they but just... it's it's crazy that actually Ooh. people go out and watch these guys but play typewriters. Yeah. Yeah, they play, they play all over New England. Well, I guess it's like a gimmick. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'd have them as my wedding band. You know, could you imagine? Oh, I would. The 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 nice father daughter dance. What's the song? It's called Click Clack Shift Bar. Click Clack <laughs> Boom. You know? Yeah, so it's just. Da, 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 I just da, da. don't. What do you say? It creates a swooping sound. I don't get it though. Yeah, I get that it's rhythmic, but I guess it's well. We always talked about we were talking, and maybe this is a topic for another time. But we talked about why music sells at one point, and part of it is definitely because it's weird. Yeah. Like, Sgt. Pepper by the Beatles wouldn't have sold if it wasn't weird. Well, you played that one song, what was it, 433? Yeah, by John Cage, yeah. I mean, people actually, like you said, go and pay money to see this guy literally play uh, the scratching sound of a record, right? No, no, no. All oh. he does is he opens up the piano lid and, and just does sits, sits there. there and sits there for 4 minutes, 33 seconds. And he's ready. Oh, well, that's stupid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's it. Oh, that, but that's what people pay for. Because I guess. in order to record silence, I guess you had to put it on vinyl. I guess so. But I do like innovation, though. I like innovation. I like being creative. Yeah. Oh yeah. People being creative. I, I, think I just don't know that cool. I would pay to go see a, a typewriter orchestra. Typewriter orchestra. Well, they looked like they were getting into it, though. They were. Into I mean, it. they were. They were just like. He said. Like, one guy was standing up and everything too. He said, "I hit pretty away. hard," and I'm like, "Yeah." It's also. Yeah, you I, do, I guess it's more of a percussive instrument, but that's. I, when I was thinking about this, I said, okay, how can I pitch this as a positive thing to everybody? And when you think about it, it could actually be, well, like how some people, you know how they don't like the drum line? Because all they think it's just the same sound over and over again. Yeah. And it's annoying. I hate drum lines. But, but people, and I'm a drummer. <laughs> and people <laughs> like it, though. So this is sort of the same thing. They're using it as a percussive instrument, and they're making music out of it. So it's what's the difference, right. you know? So, right. but Not yeah. saying I yeah. drive and listen to it. No. I wouldn't travel to see these like, guys. Yeah. Um, so where are we on to now? All right. So we got the super crazy story. Are you going to? No, I'm not even, I'm not, I'm not even going to play it. I'm just going to go right into it. All I don't right. know how it could so, get much crazier than typewriters. So pull up the picture. eBay. Who uses it? Not really anybody as much anymore. Amazon is the dominant uh, you know, market for online shopping. Um, but you have one couple from Massachusetts who decided to, they have their own little e-commerce newsletter, and it's about all things online shopping, and they started to expose some information about eBay and people at the higher-ups of eBay. And, of course, they didn't like that. So six, four, and I saw this on NPR. This is from NPR, uh, NewJersey.com. Six, so this is real. It's not made up. Six former employees decided to send them packages of live spiders and cockroaches to try and get them to stop writing about all this stuff. So what were they writing about? They were writing about, um, it was exposing information of different lawsuits with the executives and 
which is all public knowledge. It's not like they're the first ones to just put it out there. It's just because they were doing it publicly. Nobody was really searching up eBay lawsuits. You know, it's not like the number one search on Google or right. Twitter. Um, so they were exposing all this information that nobody knew about, but it was kind of a little bit. It, they wanted they want to still compete with Amazon, right. and every little sort of negative information that comes out about eBay hurts them. Right. So they were just basically putting out a bunch of public knowledge about eBay that nobody want nobody at eBay wanted them to know. So it they took it a step further. It wasn't just spiders and cockroaches. They ended up se- sending them a, a pig fetus. Oh, what? Yeah, and they sent them a funeral wreath, almost like like you're gonna die, and among other things too. They sent they sent nudie magazines to the neighbor in the husband's name of so it's kind of like oh the, these guys are weird. That is wait so the people trying to get back for the other is exposing them. Six former eBay employees decided then to send all this stuff, and they they're former eBay former eBay. So employees. how does that make any sense? So I'm I'm gonna get so even they tried to secretly install a tracking device on one of the uh, <coughs> one of the like lady i think it was either the husband or the wife their car so that they could track them i mean they wait so this was people working for ebay that used to work for ebay they still had all the knowledge and access to all the technology so so you're saying that these guys were trying to get people to stop ratting ebay out yeah it came, even though they used to work for ebay they came, don't work for ebay it anymore. came from the higher ups and they two people in the higher ups you have james ball 45 who is eBay's uh, former director of safety and security, and David uh, Harville of New York, eBay's former director of global uh, resilience. Um, They were both arrested on charges of conspiracy to commit cyber stalking and tampering with witnesses. This story still doesn't make any sense. Basically, people from eBay sent these guys to go and kind of, because they weren't part of the company anymore, they, they sent still the have. six oh, people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you should have yes. said that they set. That makes sense. They set them up. Yeah. They basically. Yeah. So there's wow. a huge investigation, federal investigation, into going on eBay. into eBay because of this. I love eBay though. So eBay was having these people. Yeah. Send other people. Yeah. Spiders. And cockroaches and a pig fetus. Just random packages. Yeah. It, going to random people's houses. No, no, no going just, to just these to the people that were starting the trouble. Just, just a husband and wife who were on this little newsletter online in Massachusetts not harming anybody. They're sending it to their house. Okay. And they kept sending it. It started with spiders and cockroaches, but they wouldn't stop publishing these, these newsletters. So they kind of stepped it up. That's you know, like, you're not going to, you're not going to win. No. You know, like the. You're going to be found what out make eventually. Sense is somebody's going to find out that eBay's sending me stuff. Yeah. That's like the Church of Scientology. It's exactly. Like they they stalk people and stuff when they leave and you're like, "What?" Yeah. But the same things happening here and you kind of you you see these people or they're saying that they're getting this stuff sent to them by people from eBay and you're like, "Yeah, I'm actually never going to use eBay. It's not helping me." No, in any exactly. Way. So clearly this is not an issue that could be solved by just hitting return to sender. So is that that's how you're closing it out? Yeah, just, just nice. kind of like putting nice. a bow on it, just throwing it away. But isn't that crazy that people they they still have access to your information and they can still find out even if they're not with the company anymore. That's nuts. I mean, they could still like get the information from people who are inside the company, but you know, I mean, it's uh yeah. 
scary stuff. Hopefully, you don't make eBay mad. Otherwise, they will send you. They will come. They will send find you, you a pig fetus. Yeah, and cockroaches and uh, spiders. Could you imagine opening uh, up a package and all you see is just spiders just start crawling out? That thing just slips out of the package and a then pig just fetus <laughs> just pops uh, on the uh, ground. Yeah. Ah! So Nasty. there's no way we can segue into our next topic, which is our overarching general conversation. Are you sure? Uh, maybe. Barely. I'll try and I'll try and figure it out. So when you're trying to eBay, eBay is trying to figure out how to better themselves and to make them the best package delivery system possible. When you're a musician, you also want to figure out a way to, to better yourself and make yourselves the best musician possible. Right? Okay, it's, it's sort sure. of the same thing. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. So basically, John and I, we were talking, and he came up with his little... Uh, we're going with the... What you thinking about? What are you thinking about? Oh, just Mustang so stuff. Usually, me and Brandon go back and forth and find a way to talk about, like, we're trying to think of a topic for the week that we can talk about on the podcast, and we go back and forth and such. And we um, debate. We just had hardcore debates. I don't think we've debates. ever debated, no. but we <laughs> we usually come up with things, and it's like, oh well, what are you thinking about this week? So, what you thinking about? So this I, week, I came up with the topic of what does it take to be a good musician? Yep. Is practicing alone enough to make yourself a good musician? Yes. So that's kind of the baseline. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. Just alone. Uh, so that's the baseline. That's where we're going to start. All three of us, like I said, we are musicians first. I know we have this lovely podcast and everything where you get to see our beautiful faces, hear our lovely voices. Beautiful. Um, but normally, Chris is the only voice that you hear because we have our own band. So all that's of us, why I give them the spotlight. On we this have one. we have thirty six, maybe forty years of combined experience with playing music. Um, so we have a little bit of insider information to give you guys of what makes a good musician. And let's preface this: we are only twenty three years old. Exactly. There are people that have been doing this and have made it farther than we have. So take our word with a grain of salt. But we don't know everything, but we know some. We things. know some things about some things. Yeah. And people. So you know. Take I know it for what it's worth. I know for us, when we started, the one program that we kind of went through was the School of Rock program, which, I mean, if anybody out there has a kid who wants to get into music at a very early age, I highly recommend getting them into either a School of Rock program, which you could just look up online. Or something like it. Or something like it where they're taking lessons but also playing with other people. Because I know for us, when we started, we started playing music in sixth grade, and we did our sixth grade talent show. But that was it. There was nowhere else for us to go. Um, you know, we could have just we could have just stayed taking lessons at a local music local music shop. But when our dad found found out about this program where we get to play with other kids besides me playing with John and Chris or vice versa, um, we took the opportunity to do it, and it honestly helped our playing tremendously. I know for me, um, when we went to the Princeton School of Rock first, all three of us were intimidated by the older kids. But that sort of feeling of intimidation of trying to meet this certain bar that the other kids set, it's it helps you in your growth as a musician. It also teaches you that you can't be introverted in the music industry or no. else you will fall flat on your face. Yep. Because you, these kids will not have respect for you unless you know how to get to know them, yep. joke around with them, become best friends and with them. And work with them, too. You have to, it's all about collaboration. And it's you know? is that you learn how to bust each other's chops in a respectful way. But, yeah. like, you know, the typical school of rock sense of humor, 
it's it's just that there's this camaraderie behind it and you feel like a family but of course brothers and sisters argue so if someone messes up a song if we mess up like playing in our basement it doesn't matter yeah but there it matters because you can only run through the song once or twice and that's it yeah and you can either sink or swim and so when we were at the princeton school of rock once we went there and moved on to a new school, brand new school that opened, which was the Somerville School of Rock, which, I mean, we love everybody there. And we were there like one of the first kids along with a couple other friends. But since we had a little bit more of the experience, we were now the kids that were older and had the experience that we had to teach other kids to. So once you're done being taught everything, there's that switch and transition from being a student to a teacher and almost being a mentor. And that helps my, that helped me as a, as a musician tremendously because i was in charge of being the bass player for the school for a very for a very long time before other kids came in and then we all started kind of talking and working together and then everything was divided evenly so it's not only taking on the responsibility of being the only bass player or musician or trying to be the guy that people go to you also have to mentor and help other people grow too so this way once you leave everything is still okay it's just a, it, like chris said it's it's a family um so the school of rock program in my experience in anything where you can work with other musicians at a very early age is a great opportunity for kids out there who want to be musicians yeah i would say the the biggest thing for any musician um outside of practice and and first off so i'm a i'm a teacher a drum teacher and uh, I've been doing that for four to f uh, probably five years now, uh, since the end of high school. So probably close to five years. Yeah. And for me, I've learned what works and how students learn. And, you know, I went into it not knowing how to teach anybody and just kind of going, well, this is kind of what I learned when I was your age and let's go for it. Now I've got my methods and I've got my methodology for the type of person I'm teaching and whatever. So. But I've learned that practicing is probably one of the most important things. So if you're not practicing, you're, yeah. not, you're not making it anywhere. You're not going to make it anywhere. Because um, you need to be good at your instrument first before anything. Um, and that doesn't mean you have to be Neil Peart on the drums <laughs> or, you know, I don't know, any other amazing guitar player, Richie Kotzins. You don't have to be those guys on, on your instrument you need to be good enough and and a lot of kids underestimate that at a young age and even adults that want to like i teach a lot of adult students and sure they've got wives and kids and whatever but you underestimate the amount of work now an adult isn't going to join a band and become a rock star I maybe maybe. maybe you know who knows yeah. but the the main thing that outside of practice that people should focus on um that a lot don't is networking and getting to know your fellow musicians in the area and starting other projects because I've been in um, Allen Iverson. Yeah. I, I've i been in... At first, I thought that said alien invasion. Right. I, I was getting very nervous. Practice is huge. and and um, It's huge, but unless you actually get out there and get at it, then all that practicing means nothing. Well, yeah, that's the other thing. Is unless so you want to stay at home and be a YouTube guitar teacher yeah, like yeah. there's plenty of awesome guys yeah. out there you know that they've made something of themselves but they just don't want to go anywhere other than just 
their house. But exactly. guaranteed, they probably play in a couple cover bands, you know. Yeah, for, every now and then. Outside, but. But the, the biggest thing is the networking aspect of things is you got to get out there. For me, I've, I've learned more from all the other, like, I, you know, for being in this band, I've learned probably the most out of anything because we've had to do everything ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we've got, you know, people like Ryan. Make album artwork. Ryan Galway <laughs> of Sleepless Minds and our, our buddy Danae who does booking for us now but other than that it's been us yeah so learning how to make album artwork and all those things learning how to record an album yeah yeah <laughs> but the the, the biggest in thing two the, uh, then that leads into the other topic about all of this is that in order to be a good musician you need to be well-rounded in recording um all the stupid things like social media presence um, you got to be well-rounded in modern day music. Modern, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you got to be well-rounded in I don't know, like if you're social if you're, skills. Yeah, but that that too. But if you're a good drummer, you should also probably learn how to play piano to an extent, or now, learn how to sing, or learn you know, like don't you don't just stop at I know how to play the drums and that's it. Like, now, is this general, as in what makes a good what musician? makes a good musician or a good original? Musician. I'd say it doesn't matter. Yeah. Even Just because even with original music, you have to be observant with yeah. that's the true. music that's being created around you. Well, so I, and I know because when I was thinking about this topic, I, like I said, I wanted to figure out a way that all three of us can kind of touch on different things. And I know for our last album, when we recorded that, John and I, we were in charge of doing basically our own parts. And we were down here helping Chris like work on the album, mixing it and mastering it. But he did everything, and, I mean, he can talk about what it is to <laughs> kind of you, – you elevate your your level as a musician when you can write and record your own stuff, too, and make it sound good. So I'll let Chris talk about, you know, how recording sort of made him not just a better musician but just a better sort of technician or tactician of being well, a Well, not too. only uh, being a guitar player and also trying to be a singer, it's like you, you can play this one guitar lick and not only do you have to try and find your tone amidst this whole chaos of recording, but on top of finding the tone is that you're also trying to put little nuances. It makes you a much cleaner player because there were many times I would play back what I just recorded. I said, it sounds like I just started playing guitar. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to be right on the beat. And not everything has to be right on the beat because there's, you know, swing and there's this thing called feel when you play. <laughs> so that stuff is recording definitely makes you a much better musician. And I feel like it it makes you an even better vocalist because how people hate to hear their own voice back. That's all you hear. Yeah. That's literally all you hear. So you need to be able to pick apart your own voice and say, oh, well, what if I did this vowel this way or what if i sang this with a little bit more grit behind it and so ultimately recording i think that every musician should record themselves playing listen back to it and analyze it mm-hmm. because that's part of the practicing yeah is like we were even talking about the other day that people like leonard skinnard can go into a studio lay down the whole thing on in one tape. day tape. on tape yeah and in one take is that practice but they also spent months practicing yep. beforehand this is our months of practicing is when we keep doing take after take after take. That's us making up for the time lost, essentially. Yeah. But, yeah, I think that everybody should invest in some sort of recording software if you want to be a professional musician. And because it's also about 
putting yourself out there. So yeah. having not saying that we're professional. But no, but no. but putting yourself out there because you, um, you, everybody has the technology nowadays, and even with our like podcast. Now that we've got, whoa, look at us. Oh, go, all the cows. Oh, oh, yeah, all that stuff. All that. But even though we've got all that stuff going now, um, we're still behind the game because, yeah. you know, every, the technology just keeps moving. So um, you have to have some sort of, like, I'm going to record myself and put, like, a little cover of me doing whatever on YouTube. And, you know, like, those little things as – small as they might be you might get like 10 likes or whatever um as small as it might be it helps you to be a better musician because you had to know that song inside and out you had to put your faith in the fact that you were um good enough on that recording to put it out there to people so um and even writing guitar solos of, that goes off of what you were saying with with being your own original musician you're not gonna put something out there that you don't believe in and if you do you'd be a fool to you know so um a, a big part of it has to do with you have to get your stuff to the best possible point that it can be. And a lot of that isn't just um, knowing how to play your instrument. It's the, all of this extra stuff that we're talking about. That kind of you, you mentioned it, too, on how musicians have to stay current and current with the times. Yeah. I mean, when you went to that music conference in, what was that, February? Yeah. Something like that? I mean... We didn't know anything about Twitch. We've heard things about Twitch and how musicians were kind of starting to go on Twitch. Uh, but being current and staying modern, you know, we're there aren't many musicians that are on Twitch right now that are doing what we're doing. So and it's a growing platform. The more and more people that know about it, the more and more leg we're going to have up in the game of being on Twitch and trying to get mo like we are monetized, but try and make you know either more money at it or just get more of a following which will in turn bring more people out to our shows. Because right now, during the coronavirus, you look at trying to stay modern and stay current. For all the bands that are out there and musicians that just rely on just playing out and that's it, they their hands are tied. But if, like for John, he's taken this time to record his own John's Drum Studio and his old Mini Method series, which if you want to check on YouTube, John's Drum Studio, M Mini Method came out today, a new episode. Yep, yep. Um, John has been keeping himself relevant by constantly coming out with new content and doing the twitch so that this way when it comes time to go back out there and play live he's not a step behind for people to try and follow or find him when he plays because john plays for a lot of people which i know you can talk about that too yeah. with playing for other people and playing in other bands we play as brothers and this is what we this is our main gig with regards to music but all of us have all played with different bands on the side because it's not only to just make money, make extra money on the side, which is good, but it also gives you more experience, like I said, with that collaboration, playing with other people, and it makes you better, and it gives you a different feel of working with other people. So I know John's played with more, so he can talk I've about that. I've played with, um, I don't know how many, but a bunch of people. Small. It started off as just you know small side projects for people. Um, then it turned into actively looking for other gigs because um, when, you're, when you want to be a musician, um, teaching, recording, gigging are like the three things that you can do. And if you're so talented enough to produce or um, tech, uh, like do um, technical work, whether you're running sound for a venue or whatever. Um, so for me, that was the I quit 
calls. <laughs> and I was like, I got to just be a musician. So I started teaching more and from there um, got more cover gigs and whatever. But I've played with all types of bands. I've played with jazz bands. I've played with pop bands. I've played with metal bands, um, funk bands, and then us and uh, cover bands and the whole thing. Um, so there's there's so much benefit to every band that I've played with. And some of them, I played with some weird bands and some some very strange uh, projects. But, and even if me and those people don't play together anymore or um, I, I didn't think the gig was for me or I stopped doing it. Um, you still remain in contact with them, No, too. not even that, but, like, oh, I learned. Okay. I learned you just, no, like, no, no. You just cut no, ties? I, I wrote no, them off. Yeah. <laughs> but I've learned a lot from, you know, I've learned before we shot our music video, me and the brothers, which you can find on um, our YouTube page, Triple Addiction. Or TripleAddiction.com. Hard to say goodbye is our, our music video. But so for us, uh, I learned how to make a music video um, the best way possible. Yeah. Because I had already done three previous ones uh, years before where I was like, all right, well, that worked, that didn't work, that worked, that didn't work. And, and the more you play with other people, the more you pick up on not only just the playing style of other people, but how they run their band or their project or their mm -hmm. whatever. And, and you're able to bring that back home with you to your project and go, well, this is what worked for them. This didn't work for them. Um, these gigs I should play. These gigs I should avoid. Venues and, and everything, and too. And you network, yeah. too. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of things that I've gotten just from networking with people. I've met a lot of fantastic people from all parts of the U.S. Well, you just recorded that um, that video with the one country singer. What was her name? Uh, Sandy. Sandy Joy. Sandy Joy. And he met her down in Seaside last such year. A cool name. I, I know. You I know? Met, I met Sandy in Seaside when I was playing with another band. Yeah. It wasn't even with this band. So the networking aspect of it, and the song is called Sorry Ain't Enough, if you want to go check it out. It's probably everywhere at this point. Um, but the networking aspect of it got me to get a new gig um, where she wrote to me and said, hey, we should do something sometime. And I was like, yeah, I would, I would love to. And then we did. So um, if it wasn't for staying in touch, that's another thing. Staying in touch with the people you meet yeah. is huge. Because Don't treat it like meeting friends in high school. And then you're like, <laughs> yeah. oh, we should hang out sometime you this sign, summer. You sign the yearbook, and then it's kind of like, oh, you wow, never see him again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. yeah, and then you guys never end up actually hanging out. Well, I, and – to kind of go off of what John said, so that uh, I want to get Chris's take on this. Um, John mentioned playing different styles of music and kind of how that makes you a better musician. Uh, I know Chris and John did jazz band in, in college at Raritan Valley. Talk about how playing in jazz band and sort of being influenced with more jazz music, how that kind of made you a better songwriter, a better musician, and you know if you took anything that you learn from jazz band into writing some of the songs that we have you get introduced to a lot of chords you never knew existed when you learn jazz <laughs> the, music. Spa the spacey it's, chords it's like it breaks your hand to play some of these jazz chords a zach knows what i'm talking about but you you gain top. a lot of music theory knowledge you learn to look at a chord chart which I can't say I've learned successfully yeah. <laughs> where you look at the chords and you get to play. Because a lot of jazz is you try and play basically arpeggios. Yeah. And that's why they give you the chords. 
Because they could tell you what key you're in, but also jazz changes keys. Mm -hmm. So why not just give you the chords, and then you get to solo around that. And so as long as you know where you're at, they give you a map, and then it's your choice to, you know, weave in and out of the song. But one thing, one main thing that I learned from my guitar teacher, Larry Barbie, which I know he is constantly asking me to give him credit as being one of my guitar teachers. He's like, just remember, (laughs) your good old friend Larry Barbie taught you guitar when you start rolling in the dough. So I'm like, so he taught me that you need to be able to to write a good and memorable guitar solo. Yeah. You need to write something that people can sing. But now, did you use uh, that sort of technique for Nothing Is All You Need when you came up with that solo? A little bit. I mean, but then a lot of that was like, you know, Keith Urban, Brad Paisley licks where I sat down here and wrote that solo step by step. Right. So what you're saying is also not to be afraid of using your influences on being a good musician too like influences it's not a bad thing to be influenced by other people um when you're trying to figure out who you are as a musician oh yeah yeah no because everyone's influenced by everybody yeah it's it's so hard i i want i challenge someone to say i am a 110 percent original artist i thought of this for the first time no one else has ever done it you can't have the boston typewriter orchestra they yeah. might have been the first no, ones still, to do that. Like I know. People, yeah. people have definitely sat in offices and tapped on a typewriter before, and they're like, oh, this is rhythmic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, this gets me going for Ooh, the day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think that ultimately what jazz band taught me is it was be- it was right back to School of Rock 101 again, is you either sink or swim. It's a completely new environment. We only played rock music before that and country and, you know, southern rock. So I'm coming in with the pentatonic scale, and they're like, <laughs> all right, that's great. But that's what, what five-year-olds play. Yeah. So it challenged me to want to be better. Where I started to write some decent jazz solos, mm-hmm. but then I just kind of gave up because <laughs> I knew I wasn't playing jazz but anymore. It ha- but it has helped you be it a better helped musician. Me, it, it helped me because it kept me in check again. Is I got to a point where I said, I'm an okay guitar player. I can stop here. And I'm like, no, I can't stop here yeah. because it wakes you up. And also you're paying for that. So <laughs> you will, but you also kind of go back to basics a little bit more. You kind of yeah. like whatever you know, you throw away, and you have to kind of be built back up. It's again just that next level where foundation. you think that you've peaked, and you're like, "Yeah, this is my skill set. I don't have anything else going for me." It's just reaching that next rock. Yeah, exactly. On the rock wall. So I then I'll ask you guys to kind of wrap it kind of all up with everything. What if you had to say one word to define what? what it takes to be a good musician, what would it be? I'll, I'll start if you want to think yeah, for yeah, one. Yeah. Um, for me, I think it takes a lot of reflection to be a good musician, where we have played songs before and watching back videos of people recording those shows. I think reflection, you learn so much, just not only with being a musician, but in life, if you do anything, reflecting on what you did and how you can improve on it. And it keeps you humble, too. Where You stole my word. Oh, oh, dang it. Well, you could use it, too. Um, but, you know, the reflection of looking back on even a recorded song on an album that we just did a year ago, we're reflecting on it now when we're writing our second one saying, okay, what did we do on the last album that was good, but what did we do that we could improve on and take it that next step to make the second one just that much better? So I think reflection for me is, is one of the best things um, and the key, one key to being a good musician. Um, I was going to say that top that 
I, no, I was going to say I was going to say, attitude. I thought you said one word. Yeah. <laughs> attitude is the biggest part about it because I, I think, at least, is... Um, Positive or negative. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to say, is that you either... If you have a awful ego, then that's not going to do well for you. And we've met people, Chris and I have played in jazz band and, and bands together where people's egos were through the roof. That's one of my biggest pet peeves. And you're like, oh my gosh, you know, especially get, get when over it. Especially when they are, where I'm willing to admit that I am not a jazz guitar player by any means, I just skim by yeah. where every time the professor was like, Chris, you solo, I'm like, no. <laughs> no. I'm like, no, hand it, hand it over to this guy. Give it to him. I'm like, he could do better than me. But I, I will admit that there's guys that could only play the pentatonic scale, which Brandon still has yet to learn. Yeah, it's something. Yeah, yeah. What is it like you'll, two? You'll two, get there. Was it the two four six? What is it? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah something. But uh, yeah, I there were just some kids that just weren't good, but they thought that they had it all together. Yeah. Yep. Just because their parents are paying for their and, college. And then the second half of that is at some point you need to realize that you are really good and to step out of that comfort zone and go, okay, well, I'm good. Let me put myself out there. I'm not the best. I'm not the worst. But let me get outside of my own mind and make something happen because um, that type of stuff, the negativity on yourself is also a very bad thing to, when you're trying to be a musician. Because you also need to realize that you're going to grow with time and that things take patience and they take time and you're not maybe the best drummer right now, but you can be in the future as long as you keep it up. Um, and don't keep that, don't let those negative, you know, feelings weigh you down. Well, just suppose that, like, I think the attitude has a lot to do with it because there's a couple of people that I watch on YouTube, you know, like, I don't know, not to, and I'm not bashing him, but Ken Tamplin, the vocal guy, where he says, if I can't sing this song, then nobody can. Where I'm like, yeah, his voice is okay. I guess you he's, know, he's, trying to sell it. he's trying to sell his product, too. To I, product. I totally get it. Yeah, but still. But I think he would have a lot more subscribers if he was more humble about it. Yeah. Because these guys are saying, who, who do you think you are? Yeah. That you're saying that, oh. If you can't sing like Freddie Mercury, Freddie Mercury sang like Freddie Mercury. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. If you can't sing this, it, it doesn't make any sense. But so with guys like that, it, let's suppose a better circumstance, I guess, is if we showed up to a record label because they said that they were interested in signing us. And we show up in not that sunglasses are a bad thing, but we just act like we don't even care. That we're, we're like cool. That we're blessing them with our presence yeah, and saying yeah. that you guys should have signed us a long time ago yeah. and we walk in with rope belts yeah. and popular combative wear yeah. and the we're just babies. like you guys you should have signed us a long time ago is they're not going to sign us no. if we go in there and say you know what thanks for an awesome opportunity yeah. that that is what is going to take you to that next level and you, you can't yeah and that on the other flip side of that you can't go Wow, I can't believe that you guys even signed me. That's <laughs> like yeah. then you're just like Eeyore. Yeah. <laughs> no. Don't be an Eeyore don't and don't be a punk. Well, you got you got you got to be you got to be a tigger. Don't be a poser. Yeah. Now, do you, do you have a word, Chris? A, a different I said humble. You said humble? Uh strategic. Oh. Okay. Oh, I like strategic. That's a good one. Do you have like any, anything anything to back it up? No, just strategic. Just you got to be strategic. You got to plan. You got to strategize. You got to see an end goal to your means. Is you got if 
you know, learning a scale is all you want to do, figure out the steps to actually be the best at playing that scale. If you want to be an awesome songwriter, that's great. Let me tell you something. Moments of inspiration only happen once in a blue moon. You can have those songwriters where we just dealt with it, is that you can have those songwriters that say, oh, I wait for the moment to arise. No, what's going to help you become a better songwriter is pushing yourself through those little ruts when it seems like there's not even a song possible to yeah. be written. See, now I'm glad that you guys said all that because notice how, and this is what I was kind of hoping for, notice how all of us mention a word that has nothing to do with physically playing an instrument. It yeah. all revolves a mindset with regards to how you view yourself as an artist or as a musician. We, we mentioned stuff that has nothing to do with playing a guitar, with practicing. So to me, that answers the question that practice is not enough to be making yourself a good musician because it takes more than that. You have to take yourself a step further. If you're, and if you're playing on being a professional musician or a serious musician, yeah, which I don't even think it's either you're a musician or yeah, you're not. Yeah. Because not to degrade I don't want to degrade the meaning because a musician is someone that is basically good at their craft with whatever instrument. Otherwise, you're not a musician. Right. Not in a mean way, yeah. but it's just you're not a musician. But isn't that weird? Yeah. How we all mention things. And, and I, I fully believe in everything that, that, that they said. Um, I don't think any of them Very gave, meta? Yeah, gave a wrong... I, I put that. It's just meta. You know, how people say, whoa, so meta. I've never heard that in my no? life. Never? John, you've heard that I've before. Heard that. Yeah, it's like, oh, man, you're being well, so Well, I live meta. under a rock, so. Yeah, but no, I, I mean, I think, honestly. No, I live in this basement. That to be a good musician, it takes a lot of things, but I don't think that actually playing the instrument is alone going to get you where you need to be. Right. So yep. There's totally. a lot of things totally, that totally, go totally. into musical success. Yeah. On whatever level that is, because you could want to just be a weekend warrior that plays out at the bars every weekend. Yeah, a weekend warrior. Wow. They're, they're the best. They're the best. They get out there. They rock their cargo pants and their polos. Attitude and they has a lot to do with it. Who was the guy that we saw that. at the rail? The he played. It was funny. I forget his name. Um, <gasps> he played. He won a contest to play for that folk night Are at you RVCC. Oh, he you're won. right. Yeah. And I saw him there. I was like, whoa, that's the guy that. That sang like this. And I was like, whoa, that's that guy. Cool. Here comes the sun. He was like a very <laughs> a very airy, breathy Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. You know, if I guess. Yeah. yeah. Like he had a sick perm though. Yeah. He had oh, the coolest great, perm. Great perm. I think our cousins remember Best that perm. maybe. Um but speaking of making yourselves a better mu mu musician, let's who you we got as, cut it as as the as the moo. Ready? The moose. Oh, we weren't gonna, we weren't gonna do the uh, intro. We're not gonna do the intro. The musician of the week. That was probably the worst one. I think the one where you, the horse video popped up prematurely. That was even better than that. It's yeah. the musician of the week. Week, week. Who do we got this week, there, Chris? Uh, I had something prepared, but I totally forget it. Well, so for this guy's name is Dante, and he has only been playing piano for about two days. And before before we play, I just want to mention that this segment we take a uh, a beautiful animal, and they uh, beautiful animal. Yeah, just okay, sure. Yeah, all right, but now these people don't even get to hear that. All right, let's do it. All right, just fly. Just so ah. on top of Dante. Oh, what about what else about Dante? He grew up on the Delwater Gap. 
Oh, on it. <laughs> on on the on the Del Water Gap. Yeah, the sign. Oh, uh, <laughs> on seventy-eight. Oh, okay. Oh, great. Yeah, he didn't have a good childhood, but man, this is the best he has. So. Play. That's a performance of a lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> he's playing fifths. Wow. Well, he's good. I wanna just. I wanna. Or no, those were fourths. Sorry. Bring our attention no, to fifths. the audience member. Play. So that's a tritone. That's a performance of a lifetime. That's a performance you know he, of a lifetime. You know he sounds like the guy from Office Space? Or yeah. Like, don't touch my stick. That's the performance of a lifetime. So there you have it, folks. That is our musician of the week. Nice. That was good. Cool. Of the week. But you know what's really cool is... I wonder if the dog's reach is only to play fourths. Like he can't, he can't go fifths. No, no, he, he was go. doing fifths. Sorry. Oh, okay. Because it I'm sounds just, like the trumpet. I'm just saying, but like if you measure out his paws and his reach, it's like it's fifths oh, yeah. all the he time. Oh yeah, he can't play like this. No. no yeah. He's only got just fifths that. all the time. So, so you know what? Isn't it great to have shoulders? Just the blades Shoulder could just blades. yeah. Well, or collarbones. You know, like unlike the one kid. Yeah, from, I'm thankful um, every day I have a collarbone. <laughs> like. <laughs> Like the one kid from Stranger Things who has no collarbones and he can like fold his Does arms. Does he not? No. He, he can touch his shoulders together. together. He was born without collarbones, so his shoulders can literally go like just really yeah touch Creepy. together. It makes that sound too. Yeah, just all right. So so we wrapping this thing up. Yeah, yeah. this yeah. ish up. Listen, we 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 just have we just have a dinner to get to. But as always, I mean, hey, I've got a dinner date. We appreciate you guys as always. I mean, we uh, like we said. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers that are out there. Um, do you guys want to send any Father's Day wishes to anybody who, who's Please in your life? Please make so many dad jokes for any of you dads yep. watching uh, out there. It just dad, I love myself a good dad the joke. The dad jokes have to be alive and prevalent uh, the whole weekend, You know, mm -hmm. starting today all the way through Sunday. So, um, as always, we appreciate you guys. I know you guys appreciate us. And we'll see you guys not on Sunday because Sunday's Father's Day. Yep. So, uh, we'll be seeing you on Tuesday. I think probably around four o'clock. Yeah, we'll we'll be Something doing a live like stream for acoustic live stream. So we'll see you guys then. And as always, have a great weekend. See and ya. the best things coming through. Is Ooh. <laughs> hey, you guys! It's Brandon from Triple Addiction. If you just can't get enough of my caramel hosting voice. Watch our podcast every Friday at 7 p.m. live at twitch.tv slash triple addiction. Or if you can't make it because you have to eat dinner with the in-laws again, ugh. then visit Spotify, iTunes, or even our website to access all previous episodes and so much more. I'm sorry. I really wish I could do something about the in-law dinner. <laughs>